Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Thank you so much for tuning in to Growth Island. So today I have a guest that I've been waiting for in months to get the chance to talk to her. She's an extremely cool professor. And for all of the nerds out there like myself, she's the person you want to talk to when you're interested about health. She's not only a professor of the Geneva, University of Geneva, she has also been a visiting professor at Copenhagen University. She's been a visiting scholar at Stanford University, the medical center. And she founded the coolest lab, at least when you're a data nerd like myself and interested in biohacking, which is the quality of life. So she's a director there as well and has actually done a lot of research on figuring out how do we improve the quality of life and how can we use technology. So for all of the biohackers out there that have the aura rings and so on, well, Kat Vaz, she's actually testing this and figuring out how it works. So Kat, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you very much. I would like to introduce my lab to the geeks and uh, um, cool people uh, out there. And I wanted to say that everything started also because I was very much interested in uh, uh, quantified self myself and uh, starting with the first Fitbit back in uh, 2010 and um, being mostly sedentary and also very much in my head, right? So you can imagine and um, really looking into how do I improve my performance from cognitive perspective? And then one day um, I, was, I was living in the US and, and we had access to this uh, early um, tester systems um, uh, subscriptions and Fitbit was one of them. And we got, all of us in the lab, we got this little Fitbit. Maybe some of you even remember, there was a Fitbit one and there was a clip, which you, <laughs> many cases we've been, we've been washing it and, and losing it, but I was pretty consistent uh, having it. and. Um, then the first time I realized it's, I'm not doing enough for my body. And if you, if I want to continue further in improving, um, health and quality of life of myself and others, I better start, uh, by being an example. So I also lost some weight and improved my, uh, physical uh, performance. I improved my sleep, uh, started to take care of myself better. And the journey went on, but you can imagine I'm talking about 2010. So it's not uh, so, uh, long time ago. And but among uh, these different, yes, uh, I'll just say that among these different devices, I still uh, uh, stay with Fitbit, but uh, now we have an Aura Ring. Uh, then um, other devices, actually, I have two devices here. Uh, we're testing different uh, uh, Samsung and, and Google devices and other uh, wearables, and as well as more intrusive, like continuous glucose monitor. That's fantastic. That's like the dream for most of the biohackers out there to actually have a lab and test it out properly. I saw pictures as well with you with the glucose monitoring. Um, it's one of the experiments I want to do myself as well. And several of my friends have done to really understand like what's the impact on your body, not just like what's the standard impact from a banana or something else, because it is different on an individual level, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. So on this journey, of doing research and setting up the quality of quality of life yeah. lab, what what some of the things that you looked into and tested, and and what some of the takeaways learnings? Yeah, 
So before we start into what we have been testing and kind of devices and experiments we have done, I would like to just uh, put a, in two minutes, uh, like a pitch, scientific phase. Um, I, I, was, I was thinking about sharing the screen, but I, I can do that um, without um, support. I'm hoping to draw the picture in, in our own minds. So first of all, we all understand that our behaviors in the short term lead us to uh, uh, different health conditions and quality of life in the long term. So if we're keeping sedentary, if we're keeping uh, bad um, nutrition and lack of sleep, day by day, um, the damage accumulates. And then somewhere later in life, it comes out in, in form of disease, right? So this expression. And these behaviors, unfortunately, are accounting for 40 to 60% of our future health state. So when, when somebody says, oh, it's about genetics and uh, yeah, I have bad genes or something. So it's, it's genetics is only 40% of expression of uh, future up to 40%. Again, there are different papers and different uh, partitioning. And there's also a percentage of healthcare system and society and, and overall context in which we live uh, because we can be uh, perfect genes and, and great behavior, but the context could be killing us, right? Uh, pollution or other aspects. So nevertheless, um, behavior accounts for uh, our future um, health state and quality of life. And um, in our lab, we are focusing on this behavior aspects of the behaviors, uh, daily life behaviors, repeating behaviors, longitudinal behaviors. And we are looking into this, in the literature, it's called even behavior. It's uh, a behavior markers, right? So again, uh, linking to genetics genome so now we have behavior um and how is the how now again let me think from the scientific perspective what's the current standard method for assessment of behaviors unfortunately it's a self-report self-report meaning if you go to the doctor and the doctor says what have you eaten and how have you slept oh actually it will ask you to fill up a form of 10 or 12 15 questions based on which you're going to be like, screened maybe and even some of the particular questionnaires are validated for a pre-diagnosis or diagnosis so they do have some powers however it's all uh, self-reports uh, how have you slept last month uh, how much uh, fat you are eating, uh, how much exercise are you getting, right? So it's memory-based, uh, uh, it's biased because you may have a socially um, um, acceptable response. You don't want to be uh, this bad person, right? So you may answer differently than what really happens in your life. It's very infrequent, it's very qualitative, it's, it's very subjective, um, and very kind of punctual assessment based on which the decisions are going to be made, right? So the clinical uh, decision-making is currently biased towards this um, qualitative data sources. So what we are trying to do in our lab, we're going to bring uh, this quantitative data sources. We're trying to bring this wearables and the smartphone as a sensor, right? So even the way you're touching your phone is indicative of your stress, of your current interest, right? So if you have a lot of social support and social, uh, we should not uh, um, mix social support and social relationship, there are two different things, but you may have a lot of social relationship, but not a lot of social support. But uh, there's a way of deriving based on the way you uh, touch your phone and how you use your apps, uh, how, what's your level of social relationship of your connectivity and what's your level of uh, mobility then related to this uh, connectivity of other humans which is very important for our quality of life what's your uh, physical activity i mean that's uh, one of again the basic ones what's your sleep right so in one of our research uh, papers we were just very curious about um 
um, how you touch a phone and how does it relate to your sleep patterns. And actually for digitally native and for all of us who are geeks and, and really touching our phones as the last thing in the evening and first thing in the morning, the phone is pretty accurate sleep duration sensor. And then guess what? For, for the persons in our study who are not sleeping uh, well at night and they were touching their phone, we also were able to see that, right? So there are interruptions in the sleep, but why? How, how did we know it? Because they touched their phone and again, they used some apps and only after they let it go. So there were this holes uh, uh, in sleep were the indicative uh, by touching the phone, interacting with some uh, applications. But uh, what I would like to say is, so we are really trying to bring additional value from the data, the quantitative data provided by these different personalized, miniaturized technologies, which are all around the body, which are then uh, going to be supporting evidence to what the what you say, what's the self-report, what have you reporting, what have you been reporting as uh, indicators of your sleep, uh, physical activity, nutrition, stress, or other aspects. And um, in the lab, we are, I named the lab quality of life. It came from the fact that I, I started my research on mobile networks many years ago when there was a 3G network as the first, uh, uh, one of the first networks, which was this high performance networks. Then we went to 4G. And in the meantime, I was working on so-called quality of service. So what is the specific um, connectivity these networks provide? And then quality of experience. So what do we experience while using these different applications providing provided by these networks? And then the next step was the quality of life. And it's a, it's a very interesting uh, path I made from very quantitative work to qualitative and now I'm bringing it back and saying okay there's a lot of data we can bring to support the quality of life assessments and I would love to uh, provide it so um, from scientific perspective last thing I would like to say is that um, World Health Organization defines uh, first health as a um, state of not not only a state of complete absence okay i'm not citing the definition completely but there's not a not only a state of a, a complete absence of uh, disease but it's also related to good well-being uh, mental health physical health and uh, recently the set of scientists also came back came together and then came back to the world with British Medical Journal article on opinion on how we should change the definition of health, which then will influence the quality of life in a moment, I will say. The definition of health should be changed more incorporating the aspects of self-management, self-management in different contexts of life, self-management in a view of different challenges in the, in the life, which are physical, again, uh, uh, mental or social or contextual and then the quality of life is then this way of feeling in daily life that it feels that it's fulfilling the needs and expectations of the individual and um then again when you when you look at this and when you would analyze this definitions and say okay so all of this is qualitative again so what are you saying kate what are you exactly doing there so we are looking into we are not really how do we say merits to the definitions? We're really respecting it and, and referencing. However, what we're looking forward is um, what are this consensus on what are the uh, variables influencing quality of life? So again, getting back to World Health Organization, um, uh, we came back to um, understanding that there is a um, World Health Organization quality of life definition and a model, which includes uh, um, four 
domains influencing quality of life on the of the individual as you can imagine it's physical health psychological health social relationships and environmental so looks great it looks very holistic right from the high level point of view and then when you uh, dig deeper you can see that there is a very nice and very clear definition of 24 variables which are then including including in this uh, big subdomains which are then constituting uh, individuals quality of life so in our lab we are then looking to this 24 variables and we're looking to what are the personal technologies which are bringing the data sources for supporting the quantification of behaviors or lack of behaviors in this particular variable and then how does it relate to overall definition of quality of life and again we're looking what is self reported right now because that's the gold standard when you mm. go to the doctor when you when you uh, collect data in clinical trials for any new drug or or treatment or anything the the gold standard is still self report so we're bringing technology and we're um, statistically calibrating these different data sources like how many steps you've taken and how many how how are you generally sleeping and what would you answer or the question of physical activity or sleep which you will answer because you're being asked because that's the gold standard that's what the doctor will look at and then how do we bring this uh, different quantitative data sources to the table to the evidence and then hopefully at some point we're not going to ask you so often we're going to also stop asking you i'm not i don't want to say that we're completely going to replace uh, self reports with the technology but maybe there's uh, one day when it will happen where the technology the data sources the automatic modeling and, and quantification of the different behaviors will be bringing enough available and, and reliable um I want to say so accurate evidence to the system, such as the system, whatever the system is, uh, or the doctor will make a, will be able to make a, a accurate clinical decisions with respect to changing of the health states or quality of life. Yes, so I hope that answered the question about um, the research part. So the framing of what's happening right now when we are bringing these technologies and then how do we uh, also see the current state of the art? And then the question was also about the devices. Is that mm. correct? Yeah, so super interesting, and also how to look at quality of life holistically. So yeah, what is what's one of the, the like what are some of the devices that you've seen that can actually make an impact, and and what have we learned from what have you learned from doing some research on that? Yes, thank you. So I'll start with the fact that I already pointed out that many um, of me, my, many of many of colleagues like my, uh, like me in computer science, health informatics. Uh, but also the field itself went uh, started from physical activity. Physical activity was the first, um, we started with accelerometer, right? So our phones were our first sensors where we developed methods uh, quantifying automatically physical activity in terms of uh, different levels of physical activity, from sedentarism to vigorous physical activity when somebody's jogging, running um, by means of um, doing signal processing on, this, on the phone itself. Later on with the Fitbit and now with all these different wearables, this particular data sources become cheap and also accurate enough that we are not doing any more signal processing, which is deriving from API, uh, the labeled data sets, right? And the physical activity is fundamental because as we know that, uh, as I told you at the beginning, the behaviors lead us to the further to the bad shape later in life and inactivity is one of the top behavior risk for further uh, chronic illness later in life and um, another one is nutrition nutrition is harder to quantify nutrition mm. still relies on uh, self-reports so in our research we have um, 
we have tried, we also developed some apps and, you know, like this no loggers and everything. And we also seen that ourselves and none of our users wanted to use it beyond three days, you know, like putting all this meals. And even, even in the United States, when everything is easier because there's so many standardized meals and, and people buy out a lot of, uh, um, yeah, this uh, packaged foods and, and, and things. It's, mm, it was a pain. <laughs> it was a pain to, to uh, assess the nutrition. So in the recent research, we access nutrition from the other perspective, from glucose and monitoring, can use glucose monitoring, which is mm -hmm. very interesting aspect of showing the body response. So it's really a measuring the body response to the nutritional load, to the nutrition value of what's, what's getting in, in respect to, um, carbohydrates and uh, carbohydrates yes which are then uh, indic indicative of um, like really the metabolism metabolic system response and uh, glycemic index of the food and, and I think uh, many of you heard and the work around this right so um, myself I, I started to be very curious about this using this device and also being very curious inspecting my own data early 2016 where um, I got hold, I get hold of one, one of these devices and then I have been like really testing it on so many different things I've been eating things I like eating things I don't like just to see the glycemic response and to see the damage I made. You know, the, the worst glycemic index, the worst uh, uh, um, response, the worst like spike in, in glucose in the blood, and the worst uh, the body, the, the, the more trouble for the body, right? For the metabolism to process it. So uh, why I'm saying this because again, nutrition was the second um, risk factor for the chronic illness in long term. But also many of us we do not know how do we respond to different foods. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a diabetic, and I I uh, went specifically after this continuous glucose monitor whenever I could, because uh, my mother is uh, type two diabetic. Diabetic, it's a lifestyle disease. So I also know. I mean, I'm not leaving my mother. It's 20 years I left uh, the house and, and everything. However, maybe there's some genetic predisposition of me responding to different foods differently. Maybe in general, also I was thinking, maybe the things I'm eating it, it are not really helpful for me. So I got hold of this. A specific sensor and then a specific um, paper recent paper which we had was a much more randomized uh, controlled trial on myself um, and my colleague um, but at the end we presented data only for me uh, for four weeks uh, where um, continuous glucose monitor was used as a uh, outcome for sleep deprivation so the, the control uh, the controlling um, factor was a lack of sleep so I was I was randomized in specific nights um, to sleep only four hours and I was, I was that's very, tough very <laughs> not, not a pleasant experiment <laughs> not a pleasant experiment we we ethically was like we've been experimenting ourselves and imagine one day um, once every few days at random I mean it's not it never will happen one night after the other because mm. we had a specific when you read the paper we'll see that there needed to be so-called worship period when I could mm. sleep in and and have a, a kind of a basal um, glucose response and then only then there was a randomization of intervention or not so one day I would receive um, around 5 p.m in the afternoon an email and I would in the end he would say okay tonight I randomize you into a short sleep right so tonight four hours so you know what do you do you keep working until, until 4 a.m whatever but it was tough it was really tough but i remember I'm, i did it a lot of times when i was a student mm -hmm. right so maybe because i'm older it was tough but uh, 
you know, it's a damage. It's a damage to the body. So the next day response, the next day there is more cravings uh, and there is a worse uh, glycemic response. There is The body is just tired. The metabolism is just impaired. And I can imagine the older you get, it's even worse. So I'll, I may repeat this experiment somewhere in the future. But okay, so I went from physical activity and nutrition. I also would like to indicate that with um, advent with uh, availability of these different wearables, we have sleep data, which is widely available for um, analysis. So we also did uh, analytics of, in one of the research uh, projects, we have a cohort of 70 seniors who are wearing Fitbit device for three years. So it's non-inventional studies, purely observational. And we could also see who is sleeping or not enough, right? And, and also compare to the recommended hours of sleep. Also, we can see who is uh, uh, napping in the afternoon. We can see who is uh, uh, really uh, waking up in the middle of the night and having a longer break, which will indicate some kind of insomnia patterns. And we did not do anything with this uh, particular observed patterns, but later on, we're really putting it into perspective of how this particular continuous behavior, you know, because having three, up to three years of data, it's not that this week and it's, it's for seniors. So it's not like mm. this exam or this, this deadline this thing, this, that thing, right? So you may say they have enough time to self-manage their behavior. So it's not really uh, that they um, they like had that specific period of time when they could not uh, sleep. Uh, so generally their sleep patterns are analyzed towards the um, having a future risk of uh, cardiovascular diabetes, COPD, uh, COPD, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So it has not, not much to do with sleep, but generally uh, we are looking into, if you continue like this, we're looking into building computational models. What you see from the data, it, this is your behavior. If you continue like this, this is a particular risk of uh, chronic illness in the future. Mm. We also started one project in which we uh, try to map on um, um, your current behavior on the future risk of dementia, which is also a very prevalent disease in all the populations. But this is much more harder because the yeah. computational models, the mo medical models for risk of uh, uh, Alzheimer's and disease, uh, Alzheimer's uh, and dementia are uh, less um, uh, defined as comparing to the cardiovascular or diabetes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And just Kate, continue on the devices. So, yeah. So, okay. Just jumping back. Um, so with the, um, the glucose monitoring, one of the yeah. things that you saw was lack of sleep it made it harder for you or your glucose response would be higher so correct that, and so that correct. implication for people listening is that they probably already know that sleep is important but this is kind of another evidence also if they want to have stable blood sugar and don't have the energy going up and down and also if someone wants to lose weight you talked about the cravings that if you don't get sleep you'll correct. be more hungry correct for carbs we need more samples but yeah you know i think all of us have this uh feeling of like uh, the body is looking for energy, right? So unconsciously you're looking for carbs. Yeah. Um, yes, I wanted to talk about the continuous glucose monitor because I was also, uh, so we're getting back to this as an um, example of, uh, for example, if you have a um, large meal, if you have a large meal uh, at the end of the day, I think we all know it go it's going to influence uh, badly our sleep. And it's it's the sleep quality, but also it's it's really the um, you know like the processing of the glucose goes through the night. So mm. the the worse the, the more amount of food and carbs is being processed in the evening, then then it's 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 like the longer at night there is influence. 
alcoholism <laughs> very interesting, right? So you, say, you know, seriously, getting drunk for science, why not, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so you get paid to get drunk. <laughs> I did not get paid. I it in my own, it's my own research. So I'm like, yeah. I'm not com uh, sacrificing my own body, right? So, but for me, getting drunk is like, I don't need um, a lot, like a few few glasses of wine or something and then you see that it stays up glucose stays up okay so wine paired with like some sweets and carbs again i'm not saying just wine <laughs> but like alcohol and then glucose stays up and then i remember one one example where i could see that the, the washout the total washout was around like five in the morning so it's like many hours yeah. down the, the stream and then maybe you wake up at seven eight and so it's like how, how much time the body you really had to rest right because all this other time is working on processing whatever you insert so yeah that made me think that made mm -hmm. me think a lot yes i also wanted to say that for those who do not have a continuous glucose monitor you have another indicator very easily available in your device heart rate resting heart rate the resting heart rate specifically at night is an indicator also of how rested you are, how your body is rested. It can be that you are under a mental stress and then you have, if you have enough data, you know what's your like a baseline, what's your like good day. And you also know when you wake wake up uh, uh, rested the next day and it's like, okay, that was a good night, my body relaxed. And then you can see that your resting heart rate at night, the moment when you uh, fell asleep, went down to your like baseline and just stayed nicely, neatly the whole night. And maybe sometimes you had the dreams. I also had the example when I had dreams and there was a spike, you know, and I remember the dream or something. And then go back to like nice, 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 stable. But then again, if you eat um, a lot and you have social interactions, I'm not talking about eating, but also like a social interaction. So it's from psychological perspective, it's called arousal, like any mm. physical or mental arousal. Like there's a lot of interaction or maybe there's a party or something. And maybe you have not even drunk or eaten a lot but there's this really there's still arousal and you go to sleep and then it's like a glucose again it's it also start, starts uh, for me if you talk about my baseline is in 50s if i'm really really on a really good um terms with my body and uh, around summers summers are also lower for me for a resting heart rate that would be 48 or something so imagine that it started 80 you know like i there's a day when it's like, oh, there's a lot of activity and then maybe there's crescent and there's this arousal. I met somebody, whatever, there's dinner and whatever, all this input. And I go to bed and it's 80. And it also takes hours before it goes back to like 50, right? So then you can again think about, it's a bit like um, the continuous glucose monitor. It's like the body needed to make, to process all these things. And hmm. Alcohol, um, in general, the arousal um, and... Um, so it aligns, yeah. Yeah. aligns very much with many of the other guests that I had on that says like, um, don't eat at least two hours before you go to bed, ideally three or four hours so that you will have better sleep, don't exercise yeah. intensely before. But so what about sex before bed? Is that uh, bad for <laughs> hardware variability or uh, what should the listeners <laughs> think out there? Oh my God, I knew that you were going to ask this question, yes. So I have a, I have a response, yes, it's very good, yes. So first of all, I have a, a examples from a continuous glucose monitor where there will be this high uh, glucemic response to a dinner, there will be some alcohol and, and arousal, and then glucose goes back to the normal levels after orgasm. Okay, I'm, so I'm so you can drink you. alcohol 
eat uh, a lot of carbs as long as you get an orgasm, then you're right for sleep. <laughs> But I'm talking for myself. So yes. <laughs> I do hope that other bodies react the same way. And yes. I really discussed it with the experts in um, at Stanford. I, I, I follow the uh, uh, course and I was presenting as a case. And so I, I'm, I lost... I'm lost in biology and, and chemistry, but there are some a biochemical response, a body response along orgasm, which is then um, kind of resetting the liver, which is great, right? So you can say, okay, I can do a lot of things and just get an orgasm, right? Or two or whatever, for people, yes. right? <laughs> Many more. <laughs> Many more. <laughs> the more, the better. But so that's one of the responses. And then uh, for from and then from the heart rate perspective, of course, it goes uh, up and then... Um, But there was this um, calming effect afterwards, right? So, yes, um, it's very good. Um, sex before sleep is really good, oh. yes. Cool. That's interesting and good to know. That uh, I think that is good to know for the listeners as well. If they drink a lot of alcohol, it's good to remember to have sex before going to bed to get the, to not get the negative effects of the alcohol. Yes. <laughs> another another uh, data source which can ha help you to support this particular hypothesis and and again um, it's available in Aura Ring and Apple Watch but many more it's coming I hope sooner or later. Um, it's a heart rate variability. So not mm. just the resting heart rate where you uh, go to sleep and and looking into how your body relax but like this really um, the derived measure from um, electrocardiogram from really how the um, how the heart works and the higher uh, uh, sorry the higher the heart rate variability the better relaxation the, be the better state and shape you are and again i love it in the aura ring and that's why i also left apple watch behind because apple watch had a um, few measures through the night while uh, orarin this uh, continuous heart rate mm. uh, variability uh, through the night so you can also relate it to the parts of the night which were more relaxed uh, than the others i also see myself uh, uh, i do yoga and meditation uh, three times a week and this particular nights are always better i would like to say statistically significantly better but i have not done the stats yet so nope. i just see visually that they are better they have better numbers um at the nights when i do uh, yoga and meditation than other nights i also have to say that i also eat, eat less these particular days so that's um maybe another uh, correlation so whenever you do any self-experimentation just mind your uh, different um conditions and mm. and um Uh, confounding variables, right? So whenever I'm, I'm saying the yoga meditation, and then I do know also that I very little dinner and I never had any specific, I'm never looking for any party or social interaction afterwards. So that's also all these different variables influencing the fact that the night is really um, nice and, and relaxing and, and uh, uh, restoring, I would say, not relaxing, restoring for the yeah. body. Yes. Makes But that's also what makes it so hard, like all of the different factors that can influence and also just when we do I think that's why the whole N equals one that you need to test it on yourself is yeah. is so important. And it's like, yeah, it's hard to like do the study to see what really works and what will work for you, right? You can see what works for the majority of people. But again, you have to test it. I saw a guy called Frederick Ackerman, a good friend of mine. He did a presentation on glucose monitoring. So he's really been geeking out on that. And he talked about this big study from, I think it was South Korea with like 50,000 men or so. And they could see that the the response from eating a banana and many different things were very different from each individual. So we have this glucose uh, index for food, 
But what that study showed was that it's not that accurate, even though we think that that's kind of like, oh, this is how a banana will affect you or something else. It's very individual. Yes, and I wanted to point out that then it relates um, the research uh, which leads this um, goes into microbiome. Yeah. Right. So, so what's what's the processing system, right? So, the assumption that we all have the same processing system, it's 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 invalid. And now it's like, yeah, how do you respond to banana versus me? That's why it was very fascinating for me to get this confused glucose and say, mm. okay, I'm thinking this salad and this thing I'm preparing for myself every now and then. It's it's good, right? So how good or bad is that? And, and to see spikes and to see them. I wanted to say that uh, before I forget, there is a beautiful resource for anybody who is interested in NO1 studies or any self-experimentation. Um, you know Gary Wolf. Many of you know uh, Gary Wolf as a co-founder founder of Quantified Self Community. He's very much involved in community called Open Humans. There's an online website, Open Humans. And I hope many of you, are, after what I'm saying right now, are going to come out every Thursday and 7 p.m. Uh, Geneva, Copenhagen time, so like evening dinner. Um, there is a one-hour uh, Zoom session with Gary Wolf and the team of Open Humans. So I'm participating more like a, um, uh, advisor as well and, and um, listening in and, and learning from uh, self-experimenters. So you're welcome to join, even if you don't have any self-experimentation um, um, ongoing or you want to learn something and you, you are really lost. There is a huge community, which is uh, usually uh, 10 to 20 people on the call and somebody is always presenting um, some experimentation and gets feedback or even somebody is just planning something. It just has some vague ideas. We we really help um, to uh, uh, providing feedback. So 7 p.m., um, Copenhagen, Geneva time every Thursday. It's a self-experimentation Zoom and Garvold and uh, really cool people from Quantified Self are there. Fantastic. We will make sure to get them the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I have to get my buddy Frederick to uh, to join in. So he also did the study on glucose in regards to eating protein before and after the carbs because he read a study that if you ate the proteins first, I think it was, then your glucose response would be lower. But you had to wait in half an hour. So he did that experiment where he did everything the same day. And the day after he tried that he ate half of the proteins uh, or just ate the proteins first and then didn't wait as long, I think or something like that, to measure if there was that big of a difference of like that half an hour. Because when you're sitting socially, it can look weird that you eat part of your plate and then you sit and wait for half an hour. So, uh, so yeah, I love those kind of people that actually test stuff out. It's fantastic to figure out. But uh, yeah. That's yeah, so social awareness, yes. Tell yes. me more. I was one week on a keto diet when I got the boxes, you know, I was living in the US and then totally avoiding people for a week, right? Yeah. Because per day you get four little boxes. Everything gets microwaved or, or just hot water or, or just like something uh, to put in the water. And then you, you have to avoid people. <laughs> yeah. So he also had the strict like going to bed at the same time, cooking in the same way, same morning routine, really to make sure that it was as stable as possible, right? Yeah. But even though. So Kate, what's one of the things that surprised you all that you see has a, a strong impact of our quality of life from that you've seen now from the research so that is taking some of your time? Right. So I have to say that 
But sexuality is really, really, really important aspect of quality of life. Like, forget about telling people you have to move more and do 10,000 steps and eat this and that. <laughs> like, really, we are really creatures of habits and we do not want to listen to all this and apps telling us unless we really have a strong motivation. But I could see that underneath quality of life, um, really feeling good about your own body and uh, sexuality seemed to be this uh, overarching holistic, how do I say, um, component of our quality of life, hmm. which then really encapsulates our feeling physical, physical feeling, right? Physical health, right? If you have pain, then maybe things are not going to work, right? And the, the second one is uh, psychological, right? You, you feel good, um, with yourself and there's positive emotions and, and self-esteem and everything else then the third one is uh, the uh, social relationship and and also the sexuality quality mm. of sexual uh, health and uh, actually world health organization defined sexual health only recently and then the fourth one is environmental right so imagine that everything else is in, in order but i don't know you don't feel safe because somebody will enter and like kill you in your bed or whatever you know like sorry to say but in some circumstances that's exactly uh, what's happening um, then uh, you you really may not feel comfortable. Actually, the environmental aspects is a home environment, right? So I'm like, okay, things are. I'm I'm I want to be sexual, but I better pay attention, like to the enemy or something can happen to me never mind oh i just wanted to say as a computer scientist i have realized how important it is when i started to work at the um, stanford medical center and discussing with the um uh, hospital staff and patients and specifically the surgeons so i was working with the uh, bioretic surgery um but also with uh, transplant uh, surgeons and then we, i realized that at the moment when um there was a lot of uh, um, aspects of discussions of the moment when, um, for, for example, somebody gets a new transplant, new liver or other um, organ, and it starts working, and then the sexuality comes back. There's this first moment they are going to call the doctor. It's not that they, you know, it's not the moment when the blood tests are okay mm. or something. Like, of course, these things will happen at some point, but they feel good with themselves, and the sexuality aspects come come back and then the, the surgeon told me himself he says you know what they don't care about their they cannot eat they cannot move they just like i can i can have sex again this is amazing you know my life is back so so that was that was that was a long time ago and i heard it and i was like okay great and then and then the other aspect is of when we start to become very unhappy in our lives that unconsciously we have everything we can move we are happy we are happy we are healthy we are safe and everything and then the sexuality aspect is missing then unconsciously they're getting this uh, depressive symptoms and anyway i don't understand it everything from from it but this aspect is like if it doesn't work then it influences so many other domains and if it works then it positively influences so many other domains so driven by this question and by this curiosity as a computer scientist i started a medical degree uh, last year in uh, clinical sexology and um, i'm happy to say that i'm ongoing it's an ongoing study and I'm, I'm, I'm going for my lectures on friday saturdays it's a uh, evening um, um yeah how do you study that on a friday evening so like uh, how, <laughs> how does that work it's, 
it's it is Saturday. Uh, it's it's uh, it's for people who already work, right? So yeah. This continuous education. It's this additional education. Additional. It's it's not. I I could become a coach afterwards. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to no. use this knowledge to trans to how do you say translate it into better protocols in my computer science um, mm. a domain or and working with uh, more domain experts on understanding the sexuality and how technology can help. But um, yes, <laughs> talking on Friday or, or waking up on Saturday morning and starting with going to the class and learning about erection dysfunction, for example, right? Mm. It's like, oh my God, I haven't yet uh, had my coffee and <laughs> talk about this, right? And you have to make notes and everything. So that was sometimes funny, but um, there are heavier or lighter um, subjects in this courses, right? So there's also aspects of, uh, unfortunately, abuse, but there's also mm. an aspect of uh, of uh, family and, and partnership and uh, and building uh, a great relationship and, and love and desire and, and all of this is discussed along this uh, um, two years course. Yeah. And um, I'm happy that I went on, into this. Um, I, I decided to do so because that will help me to understand the, this holistic aspect even better and ask better questions from computer science perspective still. Mm. Yes. So what's something we can take away from that, Nana's Kate? Is there anything like, apart from knowing that it's important, just like we know sleep is important, but we know like not eating before you go to bed, that helps. Is there anything from the, from the, from this line of study that can help us, something we can do in our life? Focus on the quality of relationships. Yeah. Focus on quality of relationships, really. And uh, uh, really when looking into relationships, understanding um, uh, what. What are the roles you are taking in these different uh, relationships? And when you talk about the romantic relationships, there's uh, one of the models points out that there needs to be uh, three components, right? So there's, there is a, a commitment and there's the desire and then there's intimacy. So you may also kind of you love, I, I understand that the persons who are going to listen to this are going to very much quantify it. So give me some tools, right? So think about your relationship in terms of um, are you satisfy um, your needs, right? So there's, again, as I said, commitment, intimacy, and desire, right? So I also be, we also have been discussing around the class, uh, for example, um, in terms of casual sex. So what's casual sex? So maybe there is a desire and there is, um, there is no commitment. There's no commitment, at least no long-term commitment. There is a desire and then there's some aspects of intimacy. But then if one person falls in love with the other, then maybe the commitment will come or maybe one person gets hurt, right? So there is also taking personal responsibility for behaviors and emotions and, and managing. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. It's, it's not easy, like just three points or five points or do this or that, right? So I'm also learning uh, as I go, as I also go with my personal relationship and reflecting. But along this course, I, I learned about the, importance of quality of relationship of communication in the um, so so in, is it, in any relationship yeah is it right to understand that a close uh, sex in a close relationship will have a better effect for the body because you also have the commitment part than casual relationships or casual sex but casual sex is better than no sex correct okay. correct yes and um, along the discussions we we had we had the discussions of uh, um, who is there to how do you say how how do you now express the fact that you may want to have a casual sex right and also for female maybe more difficult but 
for females easier to uh, mm. approach uh, the others. So we've been discussing the importance of uh, apps and, mm. and um, digital solutions, which can help people to bring with similar goals to this uh, particular agreement. Okay, so we are here only for um, this aspects of our triangle our needs, right? Yes. And then, and then, we, so we had a discussion on the role of intimacy in casual sex, right? So, do you just go for desire, and or do you allow for some intimacy? But what if you allow for too much intimacy, or what if the person doesn't want to get intimate? But you. And how do we define being desire? intimate? Yeah, Kate, how do you define um, being intimate? We had huge discussion <laughs> as well, and uh, let's say it's a set of um, behaviors. I'm not translating, mm -hmm. I'm providing my own definition. Uh, what, what I remember from our discussions, right? I don't have my notes. No. <laughs> so, um, really a set of behaviors uh, and, and, uh, and, and also statements of the person feeling safe and secure. And it, it's also related to uh, touching and um, being in specific atmosphere. It's also... Um, Preparations for preparations <laughs> for play or spending time together mm. outside of sex, but also it's uh, post care, right? Like how do you leave the person and how do you take care of the person from far in between, right? Do you stay in touch or you just meet for this particular beautiful event and then you you just disappear in life? So it's it's there is a lot of variety of of um, choices with respect to being intimate or not. And one of the um, uh, colleagues or one of the persons was uh, um, talking about her um, experience. She was pointing out that she was with somebody once, uh, was just for casual sex, but he did not want it to become so so intimate. So he even avoided kissing her, right? So it's like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. so, and she pointed to, and she pointed out to him and said, no, I'm not going to do that because then there will be more and more <laughs> commitment or no commitment, like the intimacy and then maybe yeah. the, the commitment. So, but it, she said it was not such a good sex, right? Because then yeah. I missed this aspect. So, yes. Um, anyway, I, we were talking about this because really thinking about the the sexual health as a as a core of quality of life i i'm i'm not going to make the statement right now it's not a scientific statement but i think um we are we are there to discover something like we are so far like avoiding and and really shy talking about this uh, aspect of our life but i think it's super important so i don't know yet uh, how much i will be able to contribute to this uh, domain but i'm hoping a lot Watch out for my teases. I'm going to write a thesis about this next year. So, nice. role of technology, yeah. role of technology in sexual health as well. Yes. Looking for participants. Yes. <laughs> Let me know once uh, you need the participant studies. Uh, then I will make sure to share it to see if there's any of the listeners that want to be a part of a, a study like that. Unless they have to be in California. No, 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 no. It's going to be online or on your mobile, but it's going to be ethically approved and everything. So it's going to be a proper scientific study I can publish later in the paper. Yes. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. I look forward to following that research. Any other aspects that kind of surprised you or like that, if you had to say like, this is a one device I would use to improve my life or? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a challenging uh, question. Or what have you used? What have given you the most uh, kind of insight in your own life? Um, it's a combination. So mm. because, again, we're looking for so many different variables. So it's a combination of data sources I've been using uh, 
for many years right now. So first, as I said, uh, my story started with Fitbit, and then um, I included uh, Apple Watch and then WeThinks and the Samsung and all the devices which we've been using in the lab. So I was always testing everything. Uh, also, we looked into sleep trackers, which were like mm-hmm. bands, headbands, which like, we abandoned. Yeah, um, Zio sleep tracker. And okay. We kind of abandoned and they are bankrupt and not existing anymore. But uh, really great device, really device, which unfortunately did not really um, survive because something happened. Their update was Basis. Many of you know Basis Watch, which is one of the first ones which is giving raw data on uh, heart rate. So that's where I became addicted to heart rate. I was like, mm. heart rate is so indicative. I had so many different patterns. I was annotating, I was annotating my dreams and my stress and my arguments with my ex-boyfriends and whatever. <laughs> so everything was indicative. Um, and then the glucose. And then for, for daily life, um, productivity, many of us now are stuck to our computers. Rescue time is your friend, I think. I mean, the other um, software, should, I should not I'm, I should not promote any specific one, maybe because I'm not paid or, or whatever. I'm just saying what works for me. So rescue hmm. time uh, to calculate the, um, uh, yeah, how, how much or so, how much is accomplished through the day and also through the week and, and month and, and seeing different patterns of productivity. Um, additionally to this, I have uh, maybe some of you know Life Slice. Life Slice is a um, software which was developed by one of the quantified developers and it takes a photo of a screenshot of what you're working on the computer so against the computer based um computer like pc whatever main machine not, mm. not, the, not the smartphone uh, every hour um, it takes a screenshot of the um, screen and then also the webcam so okay. i really love one day to analyze it for my facial expressions you know like, <laughs> You know, you never know, right? What yeah. you're doing. I, I stop paying attention. But as I said, it's a variety of different um, tools, uh, which which then brings semi-holistic point of view because it's never really full, I think. Even mm. myself, I'm discovering uh, things about myself, uh, looking at my patterns. And it's like, oh, I didn't know this. And so it's like, we, also, it's really nice to do self-experimentation for checking our self-beliefs, mm. right? Self-beliefs, it's... Uh, Actually, long time ago, my self-belief was like sleeping short from time to time or every few days. It's not that bad, right? It's like, mm. like I can manage. I'm so energetic. I'm I'm really good. Actually, in the first year of my studies, I did not sleep. Uh, at least once a week, I did not sleep at night. I was yeah. working through the night, working. I mean, like really studying and doing my homework. And then I only, uh, so I skipped from Sunday to Monday. I skipped sleeping from Sunday to Monday for, for two semesters. Nothing. I can do that, right? Now I'm not able to do that anymore. No. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so self self beliefs, checking our self beliefs, and then testing them and, and understanding later what are the influences of other aspects uh, of our life. Yeah, and in personal life, in personal life, and again, I'll come back to the sexuality. I learned something. I learned a lot of things, but at least one thing which I learned, and again, it comes back with respect to our quality of our relationship. The question which sexologists, the persons who are uh, coming and, and giving us courses, the first question he told us was like uh, asking the clients, are you suffering, right? Because it's like if you are in specific relationship, if you are having specific pattern of behaviors, and then maybe people tell you that's bad or whatever, you can ask, am I suffering? Or is anybody, is, is my other is my partner, is somebody in my relationship suffering, right? So if there is a suffering, then 
there may be something improved. But if you are pretty fine with whatever you're doing, then I sh- don't listen to others, right? Hmm. That's a good point. Kate, time is running. Where wow. can people... Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for the discussion. <laughs> where can people find out more about you and follow your work? So, uh, very easy, uh, quality of life technologists, uh, dot com. Uh, web, actually, if you type my name, just uh, find it on Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm rather not on Facebook. There's too many outlets to take care of. And uh, um, always um, welcome to drop me an email. I also have a mailing list, uh, which is not really advertised on my website, uh, which you could subscribe or can get an update from the lab um, or recent updates uh, from research. Um, yes, follow me, join me. Um, in the, in in this guest quest for making a, a better science uh, for humanity for us you know this is mm-hmm. this egoistic it's for us to be healthier later in life right yes if you could give yourself one advice to yourself 10 years ago oh that's a such a excellent question i would say more like calm down you are on the right path mm. calm down meaning There were moments in my life when I was too aggressive and too demanding to others as well, I think. And I'm always nice, I hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that's seen. But but sometimes I got the feedback that uh, I wanted things too quickly and I was too impatient. And then when I see, just things came just naturally. It was mm. just... it. Whatever you wish for, will it will demonstrate somewhere in the future. So there is a moment of enjoy the journey. That's really good advice. I think too many of us, I can at least look back as well and see that enjoy the journey. And sometimes if it takes a half a year longer, it's not going to change when we're like 100 years old or 80 years old or 120. I hope to live till I get very old, Have like yes. healthy and old, not old and sick, but uh, actually taking care of myself. That's super. Correct. Me too. Yes. Kate, thank you so much for finding time in your busy schedule to share some of uh, some of your research and knowledge. Thank you, Max. Looking forward to connecting the future when we are 100 years old, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Take good care, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.